Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the New Books and Indian Religions podcast, a podcast channel here on the New Books Network. Today we get to speak about a very exciting development, um, that is the SOAS Yoga Studies online program. Um, I've got two guests today. Um, I've got Ruth uh, Westaby, who's doctoral candidate at SOAS. And also with me uh, is Jacqueline Hargreaves, who is... um, the online program convener for the yoga studies uh, platform. Welcome both to the podcast. Thanks, Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Okay, so someone has to tell me and uh, everyone else, therefore, you know, uh, uh, what was the impetus behind this project? How did this come into being? Well, I might answer that one instead of Ruth. Uh, it's, it's probably a project that's been going for over a year and a half now. It was initiated uh, by Professor Ulrich Gall, who is uh, the head of Department of Histories, Religions and Philosophies at SOAS University of London. And in collaboration with a donor, um, actually, Elizabeth uh, Dimakelis, who who people may know from her book on modern yoga. Um, The intention was to build upon as a sort of third wave wave initiative, if you like, from uh, SOAS's master's program, which has been quite successful in educating people to a master's degree level. Uh, But this was more about outreach and reaching um, practitioners and then also those that may want a stepping stone back into uh, formal education. So you've touched on another important question in passing just now in terms of who's the platform for? I mean, who can take courses here? Yeah, well, the, I guess the um, greatest thing or the, the, the biggest uh, exciting aspect of the program is that it's accessible to anyone, anywhere, anytime. And that was really our initiative. One of our visions really was to build upon something like the Centre of Yoga Studies at SOAS, which was offering um, monthly or weekly uh, YouTube lectures with with um, senior scholars on on their particular topics, uh, but we wanted to provide sort of the opportunity to study at at SOAS University of London, but without having to fly to London. So these programs are actually a certificate program, meaning that people do earn a certificate. It's non credit bearing, so it doesn't count towards um, a university degree level but it does put you on the pathway towards topics that could lead towards taking, say, for example, the masters in yoga meditation. So when I caught wind of this uh, development, uh, it was exciting on a number of levels in terms of um, interests and I suppose uh, occupations of mine. 
I, I sort of live these days at the intersection of online education and continuing studies at a number of platforms. And so um, there's so much that I would like to dive into with you. But I'm wondering, just a 30,000 foot view, is this, um, is this, is this the first um, continuing studies initiative at SOAS? No, I don't think so. Uh, they certainly do offer outreach for language studies, like um, contemporary languages, as well as other uh, ancient languages. Um, I believe there's platforms for uh, politics and contemporary studies. So no, but this is very specific to um, the yoga studies field, which is sits within the Department of Histories, Religions and Philosophies. And that's one where uh, Ruth is a student. Yeah, and if I could jump in there as well, um, with the Centre of Yoga Studies, and I've been um, involved with on their steering committee. I've actually stood back from the steering committee, but I was um, on it for the first four years. So we were doing various kind of outreach things, but not formal like this, not a certified course. So we had a summer school that we ran, um, obviously interruptions for COVID um, and the the one before last year had to be online, but last year's, um, this summer just gone, we did do one online. So we've had various programs like that, like the summer school, the the sort of of fortnightly um, lecture series, most of which are recorded and available to watch back. We, with the SOAS Centre of Yoga Studies, we also did some um, seminars, so more sort of thematically targeted, but this is the the most formal programme of its kind. And was there, you know, was there any impetus in terms of timing? I mean, is there, is there, I am fascinated that um, online education is just taking off. And I think certainly began before the pandemic, but at least in my own circles, the pandemic just took that to a whole different level where, um, you know, regular um, undergraduate programs, for example, had to find a way to function online. Um, so, you know, could you tell us a bit about the timing or where do you f- feel this fits in terms of what's happening in online education these days? Yeah, I would agree with you that the pandemic has accelerated the need for universities to be adaptable and to go online. And we saw this, I think, um, you know, reach, I I would think, a climax during the pandemic. What we're seeing now is a little bit of saturation in the market, possibly, with with the way people digest information. Um, But uh, what I would would say is that all of a sudden, the audience for um, learning at centres of excellence, say, for example, the Centre of Yoga Studies at SOAS University that has sort of hosted important research um, projects on yoga, all of a sudden people have access to that, um, not necessarily in their native language. In this case, all of our programs are taught in English, but perhaps in the future, there's the ability to adapt and adopt um, programs that we have recorded to reach much broader audience. And for me, it's one of those really exciting things because I actually am located in Tasmania, Australia, so almost the opposite end of the earth to um, uh, SOAS University of London, and yet I'm able to um, facilitate this program from a distance. 
I believe from where you're located, if you go a little bit west, the ocean falls off the edge of the earth, I believe. Correct. <laughs> Oh. Absolutely. And I must say, there's probably still a few people here that believe the world is flat. Um, by the power of um, the internet and Zoom and uh, probably a bit of elbow grease, we are currently recording this <laughs> where it is 7am for me and I believe something like 10pm for Jacqueline. And it is midday where Ruth is uh, in the UK. So that's wonderful that we can make it work. Um, so what sorts of courses, clearly, uh, you know, it's yoga studies courses, <laughs> but, but specifically what's currently on offer or in the works? So at the moment we, we launched on the 15th of September with our, um, initial programs, which are really, uh, 12 hour small, short programs to get people started and, we focused mainly on contemporary issues. Actually, one of the drivers, I think, for this initiative was that as an outreach program from the university itself, we were often faced with um, questions from yoga practitioners, yoga professionals, people who are uh, lifelong learners about uh, topics specifically about the history, um, philosophy, practice, and what it means in contemporary life. And so the topics that we've started with are actually forged by those questions that have been asked often during um, these lectures that uh, Ruth was convening about at the Centre of Yoga Studies. The topical things were where, where are all the women? So gender-based topics. Um, also contemporary ideas around um, should it, or why is... Um, modern postural yoga so white or something like that so quite controversial topics that people would are asking these questions of academics so we've started to uh, address these questions with our first series of topics um, they range from um, Ruth's topic which I'll get her to speak on which is yoga and um, gender as well as female asceticism by Daniela Belevacqua and um, the yoga from the margins by uh, Dr. Sean Hawthorne, who's looking really at, um, you know, where yoga meets contemporary um, politics as well as power. Um, and then the final topic, which is one sort of close to my uh, position of interest, which is um, spiritual abuse taught by Amelia Wood. So I'll ask uh, Ruth to jump in here about her specific course. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. Well, just to kind of jump back to your previous question, I, I think that with the, the pandemic, so many resources are now available online, yet not necessarily curated for people to, to know how to access them. You know, there is a vast wealth of material, but sometimes like it's helpful to have a guide to kind of highlight what's, what's yeah, to, to, to value things and to lead people through it. So I think a course like this can do something like that, particularly it's accredited through the SOAS and it has been um you know uh uh what's the word uh you know what I'm trying to say legitimized a quality assured our quality courses assured, are yeah, quality assured sure. yeah well, well thank you Jackie these um these concepts that we're touching on they're they're um it, it, 
I cover a great number of topics and books and really it, it's neither here nor there in terms of my own personal experience. I just have an interest in, and uh, a teeny bit of expertise and that's, that's sufficient. But in this particular case, I really live day in and day out what you're talking about insofar as um, the, the internet is saturated with information. Um, however, what I find folks are really craving is one, a curation like someone to walk you through and and help you to understand. And part of that is um, for a particular um, section of the market, um, uh, c- consumers are looking for more fine dining than fast food. They're looking for caliber. They're looking, right, for expertise. And um, it's because market so saturated with content that places such as you know wherever the OCHS, SOAS, etc, etc, etc have an opportunity to shine because folks really want to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff and there is a sense that this is much more than just a brand name clearly clearly the instructors have a certain level of training integrity etc etc so I find it utterly fascinating and the other thing I find fascinating is for whatever reason don't ask me why, uh, without really setting out to, I think I teach it probably four or five sort of online platforms and they're all different, right? When I teach it, yogic studies, it's different from the OCHS. When I teach it my own online school, it's different as well. It's more hybrid in terms of, um, wisdom teachings as well as academic content and all the spaces end up developing their own sort of brand or feel or bandwidth, if you will. Um, which I suppose opens the door for, for a potentially interesting question. Do you have a sense of what folks can expect from these courses in terms of how they're pitched or um, where they're at? What Are they comparable to undergraduate courses? Are they comparable to, you know, what are they like? Well, I would say... Um... They pitch slightly higher than conversational podcasts, if you like, where where someone's trying to just quickly, um, uh, you know, digest a topic very quickly from from an expert where you're interviewing them or, or something like that. As as Ruth has has um, pointed to, we're often taking a very um, uh, a topic-based question, so it's not a long and difficult um, topic, but we're quite we're attempting to answer it with rigor, right? So it's not just the rigor of um, a, a pro- professional academic within the the SOAS faculty, but also the rigor of saying, "Well, go away. Here is here is the material you need to do in your own self-study." It requires you to step up a little. It's not just um, a one-way digestion of information. So so there is a component of here is is reading material, here is um, video, here is other um, forms of um, evidence, if you like, and you need to go away and digest this before you can move through one module to the next. So in in some ways, um, it's attempting also to get... uh, people who perhaps haven't um, participated at university level education for some time, maybe they had a degree in, in the past, um, not, not so much past life, but sort of like a past a decade or so, 
and they've moved on. Uh, and but but they may find this particular topic relevant to where they are at this time. And like you say, they want it. They want to receive that information from um, someone who can seriously answer the question uh, with their expertise um, and also critique it, because this is of, often what we have within um, the field of yoga studies is the um, the challenge is actually critiquing some of the uh, content, as you said, it's, it's, it's so broad, so wide, and often conflated with um, wisdom or mythology or these sorts of things. So, so it's just putting those things into context. Where does it sit? What have you, um, when we're answering a question, where is this information coming from? Um, who is the audience? That type of thing. Perhaps, Ruth, you can have specifically on your course. Yeah, yeah. So specifically on my course, um, the material that I'm presenting on this course, which is about yoga and gender, um, and in particular, it's on concepts of yoga and gender. Um, I've developed a lot of this material in the course of preparing my doctoral studies. So this the course that I presented on this platform is not my research findings, as it were, but it is the sort of bedrock of material that I have been exploring over the last quite a few years in bringing that material together. Um, so I really welcomed this opportunity to try and lay it out as clearly as I could as part of this course. And as Jackie said, um, I think a lot of the questions that inspire the, the content on the platform are questions that have been asked by, by students of yoga, by students of academia saying, asking these questions of where are the women? How do we engage critical perspectives to the study of yoga and gender? Um, and are we bringing, what critical perspectives are we bringing to this study? Are we look, coming from Indian perspectives or are we coming from more global knowledge formation? And that's what I've tried to do in this course is to break that down a bit and say, right, well, from the Indian perspective, what are the theoretical approaches that we can engage when we start to look at these questions of, of sex and gender um, and then how can we combine that with more global critical perspectives as well to get a more nuanced view on that um, so I, so I, I hope that this is an interesting course for people to take and does uh, serve that purpose of of um, curating the material and, and bringing someone through the material. And I think that the other courses on the platform do similar things as well. Obviously, Sean Hawthorne is a faculty member at SOAS who has been um, at SOAS for many years and has been integral to um, the, the MA program now that's on traditions of yoga and meditation. But actually when I did my MA at SOAS, it was on Indian religions. It was in the days before that course was developed and Sean was the um, coordinator for that course as well. Of course, Daniela Bevilacqua was a key member ethnographer on the Hatha Yoga project team, which was the five-year research project running out of SOAS. And um, uh, Amelia Wood is a colleague of mine as a doctoral candidate, um, and we started at the same time, so we've kind of been going through this together. So I think that the um, the course tutors um, on this initial la layer of courses are all coming from different um, sort of brackets of the SOAS family. And, and I think in a really fascinating way, because if, if, if you ask what is the angle of SOAS, and it, it may not be a sort of angle that has been developed 
um, specifically by Jackie, but all of the people teaching these courses are combining that sort of academic inquiry with, with a critical response and questioning. And yeah, I did my um, MA at SOAS and now I'm doing my PhD at SOAS and I find it such an exciting place to be. Um, it's really exciting to be there in person. And of course, an online course cannot replicate what it's like to be on campus. But I think it can, to a certain extent, sort of bring that level of enthusiasm for the materials, which really come alive when you start to critique them and bring these questions to bear on the material in a you know discursive and incisive way, I hope. So the courses that were thus far mentioned, um they certainly seem to be timely in the sense that they are addressing um, pressing um, uh, socio-political concerns of our age, be they issues of um, gender, issues of uh, spiritual abuses, issue, issues of uh, marginalization, etc. And so um, whether uh, wittingly or unwittingly, could we say that that is part of the ethos of this new platform? I would say that 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 definitely is part of the curation for our first um, wave of uh, what do you say first sort of initial program launch um, that was intentionally done and as Ruth has highlighted we were calling upon the expertise within the faculty and not only the um, uh, you know lecturers themselves such as uh, Dr Sean Hawthorne but also the research that that had been done most recently such as the five-year um, ERC funded Hatha Yoga project. Having said that um, SOAS is rich in its uh, what it can call upon so when I look at look at who who I can get to come to the table I haven't touched on those more popular um, faculty members like uh, Dr. James Mallinson or Dr. Jason Birch, who were key members, or, or Dr. Mark Singleton, for example, because I sort of felt that the, the historical side of the research, um, even though, again, it's it's much needed in terms of clarification and curation of topics, um, it, it uh, there is already a rich um, outlay of that material in the sort of online marketplace. So I really felt that for, um, for our launch, we could start with topics that I know um, SOAS is, um, has expertise in, but nobody else is actually trying to answer these questions. Um, and so it, it was done a little on, on purpose, and I'm hoping that people will uh, enjoy that as the first taster, really. Are courses available um on demand uh is there a synchronous component can folks enroll whenever they'd like is there, are there particular sort of cohort dates you know how does that all work well at the moment uh we started with a first layer of um education which is called a pod course and it's 100 percent asynchronous meaning you can take it anywhere anytime uh, from your home or from your mobile phone or wherever so they can be taken it um it, from now from today onwards um, and there's no synchronous component to these particular pod courses uh, they they make up a 12-hour study program that includes um, lectures as well as a, a, a self-study component as well as an assessment component now beyond that um, the next layer that we'll be launching hopefully in the future not too distant future is what's called a study node 
And it's where we'll be grouping together these sort of short courses, um, each topic-based course. For example, the one on spiritual abuse. We have several experts that are looking at this particular field. And we started with Amelia, who's, who's doing really groundbreaking conceptual work on spiritual abuse and really giving people um, an opportunity to look at the, the topic as um, what does it mean, you know, really sort of foundational uh, information for people new to the new to the field of study. Um, but, but I can call upon uh, other experts in this particular field who are looking um, at, uh, at particular cases in the yoga, yoga studies. So in order to do uh, our next level of programming, we will be um, including a study node, which means that we'll build upon a, on a pod course and that will include some synchronous um, components. It will normally run over a 12-week um, term time at SOAS, which means that it will start at a certain date and finish at a certain date. And in between that, you'll be um, given uh, tutorials along the way. So in terms of the, um, the certificates that folks can receive upon completion, is there an assignment or is there a component? Um, uh, do they need to produce some sort of work in order to receive the certificate? And also um, the certificate, um, I believe you mentioned in passing that it, 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 it's recognized by SOAS and might be able to contribute to other programs. Is that correct? So there's two components to the certificate. One is that it uh, recognizes your assessment. Uh, so you do need to pass three components of assessment per pod course. So, and these are virtual assessments. Um, they, they are assessed immediately, which means that as you go through the course in your own time, in your own leisure time, um, you can undertake a assessment and repeat it until you pass, right? And you must pass each of the assessments in order to be awarded a certificate. The certificate is recognized by SOAS Yoga Studies Online. It's These courses have been quality assured by um, SOAS, which means they go through a certain um, uh, assessment process within SOAS itself. However, at this stage, they are not credit bearing, which means they don't add or count as a um, a number of hours on a university degree. However, having said that, um, as the, the, the faculty are working towards accreditation for these courses, particularly the study nodes, we're hoping that as they take place over a term-based period and they have been quality assured, the next level for us as a university is to get them um, accredited. Uh, but that is a slower process that hasn't happened yet. Um, but having said that, um, if one was to undertake several of the pod courses and achieve um, a certificate from SOAS Yoga Studies Online, it would certainly be perceived as a favourable should one apply, for example, to the master's level program, having done a degree which isn't specific to, for example, histories, religions and philosophies, and you're trying to sort of... Um, make a bridge, uh, a bridge the gap, if you like, between your education uh, from a non-specific degree, uh, such as engineering or science or, or something, and then moving into the humanities. Um, and uh, Professor Pagal, who is head of uh, the department, has um, done this on purpose so that we can consider that during uh, 
assessment of applications. Fascinating. Um, times are changing. <laughs> I, I I love that um, the the process of um, uh, of accreditation is being undertaken um, because of that certainly may well come in handy for many enrollees in these programs. But either way, I mean, so uh, before I started at the OCHS in 2020, for a decade before that, I was teaching in-person continuing studies at the University of Toronto. And um, for many, uh, for they would list the courses that were taught there that they took, whether for professional applications or academic applications and whether or not they they count for formal credit in a university system certainly just as you would list any other skills or interests or certifications on your cv certainly it would have clouds yeah it would there would be there would be credit one way or another in in, in looking at someone's cv with with these courses listed um is there anything else about the offerings the the, the initiative um uh, the, the enterprise that you'd like us to touch on before we close for today? Um, for me, it's just, it, it's an exciting opportunity really to give people a worldwide access. And I, and I can't sort of emphasize that enough for me, you know, the, the cost of these programs are fairly um, uh, priced to be accessible. You know, if you're, if you were to undertake, for example, um, the university degree level program as a non-UK resident at SOAS, the price is actually quite prohibitive. And I could say that as a Tasmanian coming uh, from Australia to go and study in the UK is, is just one thing that it, it's really not accessible for a lot of people. So for me, it, it's an outreach really beyond um, the sort of touchstone that we have with the Centre of Yoga Studies where people can uh, listen to experts and um, um, you know, get a taste for their research. Really, I want people to say, okay, well, now they can actually study with them in in um, an online forum uh, at, at a price that we're hoping is accessible. Yeah. And I, I suppose for me, I hope that these courses can give people that opportunity to feel part of the spirit of SOAS, part of that um, really exciting, really um, uh, getting as deep into the issues and questioning everything. Um, and I think that being at SOAS is a totally transformative experience and I hope more people can, can touch on that through these courses. Lovely. Well, thank you both for appearing on the podcast today. Pleasure, thanks for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for the invitation. For those of you listening, we've of course been talking about a, a new exciting um, development, the opportunity to learn uh, from the fine instructors at SOAS through their brand new online platform, Yoga Studies Online. The link for the platform is in the podcast notes. Um, until next time, uh, keep well, keep listening, and keep contemplating the future of online education. Take care. <laughs>